Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. He is worthy, he is mighty, he is holy. He is the one who is always there. Mm. God, thank you for your mercy. God, thank you for your grace. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo, we give you glory tonight, God. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. God, we love you. Mm. God is good. Mm. That word good is kind of taken pretty lightly. But he is good in the full definition of what it is. He is mighty. He's wonderful. He is great. I was thinking in prayer this evening, he is, he is always there. In your distress, he is there. In your good times, he is there. He is there holding your hand. He's there encouraging you. God is good. And this evening, I give honor to God. Because he is there. He's my greatest comfort. He's my greatest strength. He's everything I need in every moment I need him. I also give honor to my wife and to my daughter. Because after the gift of the Holy Ghost, they are my greatest blessings and joy in this life. I give honor to our entire ministry team that we have here. We are truly, truly blessed with mighty and anointed voices in our lives. And I look forward to hearing them in this, the coming Sunday's Ministry of Madness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go back to serious, I guess. <laughs> but uh, several months ago while I was just praying, just my daily prayer, uh, a thought came to me. Just sometimes that happens when you're praying, a stray thought comes in. It's, and God's like, here it is. <laughs> And uh, it was a person's lifestyle is going to trump their good intentions. I've been waiting on God for when to preach it. And it seems that this is that time to preach it. I don't know if I'm going to be short or long-winded tonight. My notes, they feel short to me. uh, But at the same time, they feel very, very heavy. Uh, I'm sure the message, it is simple. But the weight of it has been overwhelming, especially this past week. It's been like some messages are just messages, and they're good. But some messages you feel like well, there's a weight on you, and that's what this has felt like. Not in a bad way, but just an urgency of it. And so tonight, I would like to turn to James chapter 1 and verse 22. Just a single verse to start us off. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. To hear the instruction and to actually do what is instructed, it is not the same. Intending to do something and actually doing it are two different things with the act of doing it always being greater than just a mere intention. This evening, my message is going to be this. Lifestyle beats 
intentions. If you would, help me pray for just a minute. God, I need you. Lord, I pray for your anointing, God, for my mind and my lips as I minister your word, God. Lord, I pray, help me to speak your word, God. And Lord, I pray you open the ears of everyone that's hearing it, God. God, here tonight, God, present. Lord, those turning in through Facebook Live, those that are going to hear it later, God. Let your word go out and do the perfect work that you would have for it to do, God. Anointed, God. And Lord, God, be glorified in this, God. And Lord, we will praise you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. As the saying goes, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It is devastatingly very true. Too many times in my life I have heard people saying, they'll grab a Bible and repent when they hear the trump for the rapture. They always intend to be good enough of a person to get into heaven and then really seal that deal at the last possible second. But what they fail to realize maybe even what some of us fail to realize, is that the life we live, whether for God or just for ourselves, will always trump our good intentions that we have. Intending to do something can be compared to, like, almost winning a race. Yeah, yeah, I I almost won. That sounds really good. Look, man, I almost got first place. I know I can brag about it all day long, but no matter how close I was, I lost. I did not get first place. I lost the race. You can focus on how good your intentions are all your life, but good intentions never measure up to what you actually do. To quote Star Wars, Master Yoda, do or do not, there is no try. You know, uh, you always think, how do you... How can you do something without trying to do it? Uh, But it makes more sense when you understand that at the end of the day, when it's said and done, you either did what you intended to do or you didn't. Saying, well, I tried or I intended to, it's not viable. It's only a weak excuse. Because someday we will stand before a throne of judgment. And it's going to happen sooner than we're ready for. When you're giving an account of your life, because you're going to have to, everything you said, everything you thought, everything you did, you didn't do, the good you did, the good you avoided doing, all of it, you're going to be doing it before the one who is perfect and who intimately knows what you were capable of because he was always there to help you when you would call. You don't want to find yourself saying, well, I had good intentions. You know, I meant to do better. You're going to find out just how empty those words are and just how hot fire can really be. Living a life of good intentions and only trying to do better is going to leave you a far cry short from getting into heaven. God, he's always pushing us to do better and to grow. Because he doesn't just see us like, okay, that's good enough as it is. It's, let's bring this up. Let's grow this and improve upon this. Let's Let's take you to as high and as far as you can possibly go. He's always challenging us to make, uh, to get better while at the same time holding our hand every step of the way as a loving father. Even with that, even with him on our side helping us, 
We're going to enter heaven a little beaten and bruised because life is heavy and hard. We're going to be weary from the journey. We're going to be ready for that eternal rest and reward. But people that only have good intentions, somewhere along the path, they just kind of sit down. They intend to walk it. They intend to walk the walk. Usually they can talk the talk pretty good. They intend to walk it. Every now and then they'll take a step or two. They'll kind of move along. They'll kind of encourage someone else like, hey, look at him go, 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 go. You know, while they're sitting there. But they settle for just stopping along the path. Now, I know, I know God will do almost anything to help us along the way. But he's not going to drag you along when you don't want to get up and move. While someone sits, death and hell are catching up to them, ready to snatch them up while they are unaware. If all we're going to do is sit in our good intentions to do better, it will become too late. If you want proof of that, look as the years go by. You go from a child to your middle school to suddenly you're graduating to suddenly I'm 30 to suddenly I'm a grandparent. And, you know, 33 doesn't feel any different or stand out from 42. It happens so fast. It will become too late if we're just sitting in our intentions because life goes by. And we have zero excuses all along the way to not strive for God's calling. In my, whether you want to consider it brief because you're older than me or long because you're younger, <laughs> but in my 30 years on this earth, I have come to a realization. I am not special or unique in any way. I'm just another man out there. I'm not different from anybody. I am the only me. There will ne- never has been me, never will be me, because no one else will have my same experiences, desires, habits, thoughts, personality, family, friends, etc. But I don't have a single thought or experience that someone else has not had before. I'm not so unique or special that I can stand before God and tell him, I should be excused because I went through such and such experience. And so... You know, I just intended to do good. That should be good enough. You know, please excuse me. If I try that, there's going to be 100 million souls with better excuses than mine. They're going to rise up and exclaim that God's grace and strength was always enough. Because my excuses and good intentions that I thought would be so viable, so amazing, are going to leave me stranded on a path to hell. God is calling us to rise up and give everything in our hearts, our minds, our souls, our bodies. You know, not just every now and then doing the action, but thinking the thoughts, talking it, walking it, doing it, everything. When you lay down, when you rise up, we are to be consumed by his presence. Let it penetrate every part of his life. I don't leave God at that door when I walk out. I continue in him. Mm. What we have to offer is a far cry short from perfection. But God is only calling for everything we have, not for more than what we have. Because he makes up for the slack. He makes the difference. He's not going to do the work for us. It's going to be hard work. It's hard to give everything you have. 
And he's not going to do that for me. But he will absolutely do the work through us. He will take us and help us and use us. When we have a lifestyle that reflects his will, we will never have to be afraid of missing heaven. We won't be afraid of dying, missing the rapture. We're going to look forward to the day we hear come home. We're going to look forward to hearing that trumpet like, Lord, if it could just come sooner, I am ready. We need to live our lives in every moment with every action and thought in such a way that our only fear in hearing the trump of God is that we haven't had time to reach every soul yet. Amen. In my teenage years and early 20s, and even still sometimes now, because, you know, I'm still growing. I'm not perfect. But I always had a fear of missing the rapture. What if I'm not ready? What if I'm not good enough? You know, like, what if I just sin too much? You know, all the thoughts that come with it. Uh, when I was younger, I wasn't as committed to God. You know, I, I was still maturing. I was still growing. I was still finding myself in him. But as I've grown older and grown in my relationship with God, I'm realizing the difference between being afraid of the rapture and looking forward to it is our lifestyle. We are either committed and growing and focused on God, consumed by him, or we just like the idea of it. And we are satisfied living in good intentions and thoughts. The Apostle Paul, he couldn't wait to be called home to heaven. He looked forward to that. Because he knew who he loved and who he served. He was he knew exactly where he was going because he was walking there. He was walking there on purpose, not happenstancely. The only reason he was kind of hesitant was because there were still so many lost souls to be won. There was still so much work for the kingdom to be done. That is a man who is committed, not someone who just intended to live for God. He didn't find a comfortable place and God to settle down in and think, this is good enough. I can stop right here. I've reached the bottom level just enough to make it to heaven. If we're not careful, we will easily, easily, every single one of us, find ourselves settling at good enough. It is so easy to do. It's almost like it's inbred to find in anything in life. Just find that good enough position and just stop right there. But good enough, those two words, they are lethal to the call of God for our life. Good enough is almost always based upon your own standard for when you can stop and settle. And good enough is the enemy of greatness. Because greatness is way over there. Further than what I was, good enough. You know, love greatness, that's, that's over the hill and through the woods. That's, that's too much work. I don't want to go that far. So I'm going to stop at good enough. When God's calling is over there, and suddenly you just see everything passing by, and you turn around, it's too late. I've settled for too long, and I've missed it. Good enough. We settle for it because we feel like we have done enough to make it over some imaginary line 
that gets us in good enough grace to get to heaven. It's a lie. You know, you can check off the list like, well, what is it, the seven deadly sins? I'm not doing that. Uh, you know, just check off the basic Christian checklist. Good enough. I am, I am there. And we miss the relationship. We miss building that fire and that passion for God. The Bible tells us we are to strive to work for the mark of perfection. It is beyond us. I cannot be perfect. But because of that, I will never stop striving to be better. And so I will be who he's calling me to be because I'm never stopping. Our hearts. Our hearts are going to make us feel good when we care about missions and we give to them. About being in an amazing worship service and leaving like, whoo, that, that was something right there. You know, make us feel good about attending church a lot. Talking about how evil the world is and how wicked it is. But our deceitful, wicked, and unknowable heart is keeping us from acting out the correct course. Because believe it or not, your heart is not God. Your heart does not have all the answers. It is just a feeling that's influenced by your emotions, by the things around you. Your heart's going to have our hearts, because I'm included, will have us following our desires and dreams with just the intention of loving God and agreeing with his word, but never living it. Because, you know, God knows my heart. God, God, knows, God knows my heart. That's, that's enough. But it isn't. It is not enough. We have merely found ourselves ignoring what God has called us to do and being okay with it. Being honest with ourselves, we all wish that good enough and having good intentions would be enough. It's easy. And it's comfortable because it doesn't cost very much. You know, it's, a, it's like, well, excuse me while I talk about anything to do with the gym or diet. You know, just bear with me. But it's like, well, I, sh- I walked in the gym. I did this on a treadmill. You know, I, I did it. You know, it, it was comfortable. It was easy. But if you want a marath- if you want to run a marathon, you can't just. <laughs> you got to actually train with purpose and push yourself and get uncomfortable and sweaty. It is in our nature, human nature, to be as comfortable as possible. We don't like discomfort. We don't like to be too hot or too cold. We don't like being hungry. We don't like picking up a a heavy couch to move it across the living room. And then a little bit more than back where it originally was. Good times. Uh, We will drive two or three blocks so we don't have to walk. We'll fluff our pillows a little bit more to make them softer. We'll get weighted blankets. Uh, We buy shoes with memory foam. You know, the list goes on to make life comfortable. Nothing wrong with that. It's comfort you know what's not to love everybody does what they do what they can to become comfortable and there are so few reasons someone's going to choose to be uncomfortable we either get uncomfortable because we couldn't prevent it or because we're chasing a goal we consider worth the pain and effort and the fact is it is only outside of our comfort zones that great things can and do happen If the goal in front of you seems amazing but scary, 
It's definitely going to make you uncomfortable, but I can almost guarantee it's definitely the right thing to look for. Greatness, it is outside our comforts. Greatness is outside our natural tendencies. We are comfortable with intending and thinking about doing great things. I'm comfortable about thinking about running a 5K at some point in my life. I, I can think about it all day. Like, that would be awesome. Uh, you know, and like seeing like Brother Malone actually doing it. Woo, go Brother Malone. You know, like, yeah, that's great. You know, I, I love that. Uh, it's from a place of comfort for me to see him doing it. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah we we get comfortable in that. And that's where we also stop. We will hear an amazing, anointed, powerful word of God that we can feel the conviction. We agree with every word. We shout, amen. But our lifestyle doesn't change past a moment of a good thought to do better. Because we leave God at that door when we walk out. But God, he is calling us to greatness, not to comfort, not to good enough, far past that. Our reasonable service, the bare minimum, is to live our lives as a living sacrifice. That does not include comfort at all. As we follow God with every breath and effort we are able to give. If you look in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Which, if you think about that reasonable service, that's just like, that's a, it's kind of like the, the first thing you achieve. It sounds like a lot. It's like that's a mighty high step, and that's just the first one. Like it's, but it's our reasonable service. It's not out of question for God to be calling us to this. It's a reasonable, logical request. We are not exactly going to enjoy the process of living up to God's standard. Although the results always prove worth it. I've never seen anyone regret doing things for God. I've seen all kinds of regret of falling short not doing what he is calling, being too afraid to step out, but never actually doing it. When you get to heaven and you see all the people around you that your life helped motivate to make it, we will absolutely agree it was worth it to live up to his standard. There is a scale in working out I've recently discovered it's a, it measures your effort level. It's called RPE, or Rate of Perceived Exertion. It's a scale of 1 through 10, with 1 being basically no effort. Like, walking from here to that door would be a 1. I could do it a, a thousand more times. And with 10 being the maximum effort, it means if you did one more thing, you would die. Okay, not, not that far, but you could not do one more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the ideal place for most workouts workouts to be at a level between like seven and nine, where you would only be able to do like one to three more things. If you're bench pressing, you want your RPE to be like set at eight, 
where you push it, but you don't push until you can't push anymore. You push like, I could probably do two more, and that's it, and that's where you stop. That's kind of where the ideal level is. When I discovered this scale, I became very honest with myself and my own effort that I thought was pretty good beforehand. I realized I was actually working out somewhere between a four and a seven. That was very, very humbling and embarrassing. Because <laughs> uh, without meaning to, I found a more comfortable pace to find myself. It was way below what I could actually do. When I changed and I started really pushing myself beyond that 7 to 9 range, it was so much harder but so much more rewarding. And I cannot argue with those results. And people, other people at the gym have even noticed I think that's a big sign that you're doing something right. You're pushing yourself hard enough because other people are going to notice the effort you give. Because that scale can reflect perfectly to us as Christians. We easily build a habit to get comfortable in that four to seven range thinking because we do feel a little bit of effort. Because working out between four and seven, you still feel it. You're still going to grow. It's just a more comfortable range and you're not even really aware you could do so much more. A lot of times we get comfortable there, again, with our good intentions of becoming great. <laughs> Someday I'll become a pastor. Someday I'll become a Sunday school teacher. Someday I'll do A, B, and C for God. Good intentions sticking at that four to seven range. We are comfortable settling at, well, I love God. I attend church. Our intentions are to be faithful and committed at all times. We pray. We worship to some extent. But our lifestyles are falling so far short of what God is actually calling us to because that 7 to 9 range, that range where you start thinking, you're being a little bit crazy because at the gym, now that I'm working out that 7 to 9 range, people are calling me a little bit crazy. You're going to be called a little bit crazy when you're pushing yourself in God to go that distance. That 7 to 9 range goes past just feeling good, and it becomes actual work. It does still feel good, but it is work. Our godly Christian lifestyle has sadly become little more than just a charade full of comforts and good intentions, but no real passion, no real fire, no real actions for the kingdom of God. If we even think of supporting missions with our, with our offerings, because that's been very recent. How many of us have intentions or thinking, it would be really cool to support and give like X amount of money every month to really support them. And we start with those good intentions. And then it just falls flat. We just don't follow through. Or we just give up on the commitment thinking, it's too much. I don't want to keep doing that. What is going to happen someday when our comfort in God is threatened? When we find our good intentions are not enough? You know, what's going to happen when somebody asks you the hard and deep questions? And you always intended on studying the word more, but you never really did. And now you're sitting there baffled and flustered, not knowing how to tell them the reason why. Why do I worship because there's music, I guess. Oh, 
a choice someday will have to be made. For every single one of us, it's going to happen. And our lifestyle, it's our day-to-day habits, will be what pushes our choice. It could be a gun pointed at your head telling you, you will deny or I will shoot you. It could just be pure. Now, I'm going to take away the word just because that makes it seem like a minor thing, and it's not. It could be peer pressure, getting you to where you either laugh at the joke or stand out as different. And if you think that goes away in high school, it does not. It will follow you forever. It's why we, you must, as early as possible, find your identity in God. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Get used to being standing out from the crowd. And it's not all bad. You will find there's a lot of people that will respect you. It'll just be a little bit awkward at the initial start. But if all we ever have are good intentions, we're going to find ourselves in the same situation that Herod faced. Turn to Mark chapter 6. Going to read verses 21 to 28. And when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. Basically, Herod is his birthday, he's throwing a party, so he had all the important people show up. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt. This is a king not using wisdom. Okay? <laughs> he, uh, he was pleased by her dance. You interpret that however you will. And with the wrong attitude, out of wisdom, asking her, telling her, ask me whatever you want, and I will give it thee. And he swear unto her. Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. And she went forth, because she didn't ask right away, and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, her mother said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger, the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorry, yet for his oath's sake that he foolishly made, and for their sakes which set with him, peer pressure, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought, and he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel, and the damsel gave it to her mother. Herod, he loved to listen to John the Baptist. He felt conviction when he heard him preach. But Herod fell short in changing his lifestyle. He heard it. It felt good. Maybe even had good intentions that someday he would change. Someday I'm going to listen to the man of God in my life. And when the trial came, His lifestyle that was not changed 
his habits cornered him into killing the holiness in his life. His unchanged lifestyle defeated his good intentions. Our musicians can go ahead and come up. You can see in the Old Testament, everyone familiar with Samson? Strongest man in history. Blessed by God with extraordinary strength. And he likewise fell because his good intentions of being who God called him to be never changed from intention into lifestyle. Or rather, he never went further than just the checklist. Okay, I was told, don't cut my hair, don't touch dead things, don't drink wine, and so on. He had a list of things. Check, 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 and check. He did the motions, but I don't see where he ever actually committed to really following God with everything he had. So when temptation came, He had no will or desire to resist the devil in his life. And he ended up as a bald, blind, and weak prisoner that only ended up doing something great at the end of his life where he ended up dying in the process. How different his story could be if he had actually fell in love with God instead of just marking off some checklist, instead of just loving the blessing of his strength. And showing off for his friends. If he had fallen in love with God. Intended and actually followed through on doing what God was calling him to do. To be a judge in Israel. To lead his people in the ways of God. We go ahead and stand. Are we truly committed to God? Or do we just have good intentions? Or are we walking out that door, leaving God here? Or are we walking out that door to actually be Holy Ghost-filled, born-again Christians? To be a light, to be, to be salt and light in this world, to show others about God, to be so consumed about Him that we're embracing when that rapture finally happens, but we're worried that we haven't reached everyone just yet. When the pressure of life and temptations come, our lifestyle will be our good intentions. We are either committed our life to God or we aren't. There is no try and there is no good enough. Don't be caught stuck in your intentions of being who God is calling you to be. Instead, keep growing. Be found living your life as a doer of his word not just a hearer this altar is open for any who would come I'm not asking you to make an amazing 100% turnaround and be instantly everything is God calling you to be in this moment God is just calling you to take that step and to start growing to have a passion for him to start thinking on him to start praying to Him, to start being consumed by Him even when you're not in church. Let us pray and seek God tonight. Give myself away. Mm -hmm. I give myself away. 
Yeah. 
the activity of our life God to give ourselves unto you Amen that our lifestyle beats our good intentions Amen there were a lot of just Thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you, and have a blessed day.